Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. Today, I have a really awesome interview with Ian Panter. This was a really, really cool episode for me to record because Ian was such a big part of my Tough Mudder journey without really knowing it. So you'll hear from Ian about an amazing story of how a positive attitude and resilience can help a person defy the odds. After finishing a Tough Mudder in Philadelphia in 2007, 17, Ian was in a devastating car accident that left him in a coma. His journey from a coma to his remarkable recovery included inpatient PT, OT, speech therapy, a whole lot of positive attitude and belief in his ability to walk again, and an immense amount of support and love from his friends, family, and the Tough Mudder community. Now Ian shares his story to help others who are up against the odds and accomplishing things that some thought were impossible. When I was running Tough Mutters, I saw firsthand the love of this community, the way that people come together to support a member of our martyr family without ever really knowing that person before. I had no idea who Ian was before his accident. And yet there was such this bond that was created between all of the Tough Mudder community rallying together to support him in whatever he needed. And I watched that and was amazed at the power of positivity within a community. It was still to this day one of the most amazing things I have ever seen. And then having people come together at races and we wore running for Ian shirts and so many amazing things to help in his recovery left him amazing messages on Facebook so that when he woke up, he would have them and be able to see the people that were supporting him all along. So to be able to have this conversation with him and really talk about what he was going through through his recovery was such a fantastic conversation for me, and I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. Really quickly, before we jump into that, if you or someone you know has ever said the words, I'll be happy when, I just need to keep, insert whatever matters here, losing weight, working hard, building my career, and then I'll be happy. If you've ever felt like you've done everything you're supposed to do and life isn't turning out the way that you expected, if it seems like something's missing, everybody's telling you how successful you are and you just don't feel it. The Define Your Life Mastermind is for you. The most powerful question anybody ever asked me is what does success mean to you? As I've explored this topic on my podcast and with my coaching clients, it has become clear that most people don't ask themselves and answer this for themselves enough. The Define Your Life Mastermind is designed to help you get clear on what success means, what a well-rounded life looks like, and what your best life feels like. Once you know that, you can build a business that fits into that life and surround yourself with people who give you the courage to step out of your comfort zone to live your vision. If this sounds like something you or someone you know needs in their life, head over to defineyourlife.morethancorporate.com for more information and to schedule a call to see if we're a good fit to work together. 
I'm really looking forward to connecting with you and helping you gain the clarity that you need so that you can have the life and business that you have always wanted. Without further ado, let's jump into this interview with Ian. Ian, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. I am so excited to have you here. Um, Most of the people who listen to this podcast know that I got really into Tough Mudders in 2017 and ran World's Toughest Mudder in 2017. And your story was just so impactful to me when I was in that point where I was figuring out how to be uncomfortable and be okay with like the crazy crap we put our bodies through in Tough Mudders. So I'm excited to share that with others. So let's go ahead and start with um, a little bit more about you. Where are you from? So originally, and where I'm at now, I'm from uh, Detroit, Michigan, the suburb of Detroit. And then after college, I actually moved out to Las Vegas uh, for 10 years, where my father is still there. He's been out there close to 20. And then I moved back to Michigan about seven-ish years ago. So I I like like the weather of Vegas. It was great. But when you're from the Midwest... We have neighborhoods and it feels very like, I don't know, it's a different feel. And Vegas is, I'm sure you know, it's very transient and I never knew my neighbors. They were always coming and going and it just wasn't, I didn't see myself wanting to find someone to marry and settle down there. Yeah, I, it's funny that you say that because I've said the same thing. I grew up in Idaho. I went to school in Michigan and I um, tell myself all the time, like, I love Vegas. I don't know how I feel about the weather. Like nine months out of the year, it's good. Um, right now in the summertime, not so much. But, um, you know, overall, it's an amazing place to be. But that human to human connection that you get in some of the Midwestern and then smaller towns in Idaho um, you just don't get here and it's, it's really hard to get used to. Yeah. No, it's unfortunate. Like you, you want the interaction, but then everyone's like, Oh, I gotta go to work. But it's like two in the morning. Like, yeah, I know. I gotta go to work. (laughs) (laughs) So I always like to ask people, you know, where you're at now with what you're doing with your career and what you're doing with your life. When you think back to being a kid um, and you were like, I want to be blank when I grow up, is this where you thought your life would be or where did you think you'd end up? That is a good question. Um, you know, I was never the kind of guy that wanted to be like a fireman or police officer when he grew up. I, I really never had a plan. Um, I played a lot of hockey, so I think I want to be a hockey player. But those dreams are, you know, they're hard to come by. Um, so, no, I, I, I didn't really have a plan in place, to be honest with you. Um, when I went to college, I still didn't know what I wanted to do when I, when I went, became a freshman. I thought I wanted to be a teacher, and that changed about halfway through my first year. Um, and then I, I went into business degree, where because I, I had from my father, and just it's what I felt comfortable with and where I liked, and just followed that path. So. That's amazing. And what are you doing now with your career? So for for about ten years previously, I was in pharmaceutical sales. Um, and I, what I really like that, again, it's a lot of interaction. What I really liked is when I walked to an office, the first people I see would be maybe like the front desk staff. And I would sit and talk with them about, you know, anything life. And then within a snap of a finger, the doctor could come out of the office. And next thing you know, I have to start talking science and patient types and 
all the important stuff and really delve deep into that. And so I really like that because it challenged me to be on the top of my game at all, at all times. And so unfortunately with, so I was, the company that I was with for about five years had national layoffs about a year ago. Um, and then the thing about pharmaceuticals is, at least under my experience, every year there's always a fear of layoffs because they want their numbers to look good at the end of the year reports for their shareholders or a product may go generic. There's always something. And so after 10 years of that, almost having to worry every year, am I going to get laid off? When it actually happened, I was like, okay, I'm okay not going back into pharmaceutical sales. So I spent some time looking and I actually found a position with a company that does building maintenance. And so basically if you're in an office and you think of anything that an office might be like janitorials are basic, but then windows, lawn care, snow shoveling, landscaping, I can go on for a long time. That's, that's basically what we do. That's amazing. And as far as challenges that you face in that, what do you think has been the thing that's prepared you the most for overcoming the challenges that you face in that career right now? So I think from the beginning of my career, I started with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And I always make the joke, you know, yeah, you work with Enterprise, but they really do teach you to run your own business. I'll give them a thousand credit. I mean, it's amazing. After I left them, I knew I could handle just about anything because with Enterprise, I was used to getting yelled at by the best of them. Um, If it was a sweet little lady, she would yell at you about something. If it was a grumpy (laughs) old guy, he would yell at you, everyone. And it wasn't our fault. It typically was the insurance company's fault. Um, So, But that really trained me to run my own business and handle every situation exactly how it came, take nothing personal, And I think that helped me elevate towards pharmaceutical sales because even when a doctor is yelling at you, let's say per se, they're not yelling at you. They're telling you everything that they're having issues with. And if you just sit there and don't take it personal and listen, you can hear what they're actually trying to say, what the issue is, and you can address that and attempt to alleviate that concern for them. Yeah, that's such amazing advice for anybody in any stage of their career or in entrepreneurism or even just in life to not take everything so personal because I feel so many times we end up getting so upset about something that was never even intended that way by the person who said it that we miss out on the entire conversation. Yeah, I I had to learn for the longest time not to, well, not only not take it personal, but not to interrupt and let them go. Because if you get a doctor that is talking and talking and talking, eventually they're going to kind of wind themselves back and say, all right, well, here's what I really meant. And there you go. You know, they appreciated that, that I wasn't going in there selling them, like trying to hard sell them. Like I hate to say car salesman, but in that S type of facility, you know, so, you know, they appreciated that. And the company that I was with, GSK, we, at the time I was there, we ran what was called a patient first type of consultative approach so whenever I would go in there selling if they had a good enough reason to almost sell me on why the other product you know I wasn't going in there saying doctor you gotta do this you gotta do this it was more like all right if you have a patient that's going to benefit from that from that great let's talk about the ones that are going to benefit from my product and so again I felt like 
being with that company at that time really helped me with kind of how to approach situations where I'm not going in there trying to sell, sell, sell. I'm just going in there to listen. I'm here for you, doctor. What's going on? Type of situation. That's really helped me progress in my career. Yeah, that's super, super valuable information. And anybody who's in any type of sales environment, which is everybody that has a business or a job in any way, um, you know, this is a super big point of, you know, you're not going in to sell something. You're going in to find out whether your products or services can solve the problem that they're having. And when they go on that rant and they're um, frustrated about something, that's the best time to figure out what problem they're having if you just take the time to listen. So I love that so much. And the funny part is, now that I'm in a new industry, I actually recently had a situation that was just like that, where we, we weren't their janitorial service, we were doing other stuff for them. And he called us in because he was getting fed up with this current janitorial company. And we just sat there and just listened to what his concerns were. And we were able to address those because of that. And it was, again, what I've been doing in the past, just sit there and listen. He wasn't yelling at us, but he was telling us everything that he was having issues with. And then I knew I was having to be with my boss that we could address those in a certain manner because that's what I've been doing for the last decade. I love it. So at what point in time did you find Tough Mudder? How did that come into your life? When I was in Vegas, I was in pharmaceutical sales and I was traveling a lot. I was going to Arizona twice a month for pretty close to 10 days. And when you get a per diem, you use it. And so I was not, and unfortunately, because I was driving the whole state of Arizona, I didn't have time to stop at a nice restaurant and eat well and, and fast food and Red Bulls and things like that, just get me going. So the weight started to go up. One day before I moved back, I decided, all right, enough's enough. I'm going to go for a run. And about a hundred meters later, I was exhausted. It was summertime. And I was like, I, this isn't crazy. I can't do this. So I went home and the next day I was like, all right, let's try this again. Make one step further. I don't care how much farther, just make one step, get past where I was. You know, I didn't have a goal to go miles. I had to go get past the hundred yards that I had gone before. Um, and I just continued to do that and continued to stay healthy. So I got on that health trip and then I actually, Moved home about six months later and continued with that. And then when I was in Vegas, I did something called the Dirty Dash. And it was a similar type of OCR event. That's when I kind of fell in love with it through the OCR. And it was at the South Point. It actually, we ran through the stables and things like that and the parking lots. And it was a good time. So I just became addicted to it. And then I moved home shortly after. And that's when I learned what else do we have and that's where I found Tough Mudder and that's when I started getting active and really it wasn't the the physical aspect of it so much it was the community you're out there you may be struggling on an event or even just to move forward and people are willing to help you put your foot on their knee whatever you need to get you over that hill they're, they're going to get you there and that's you know I just started falling in love with that and started going a few more there were a couple of people in Michigan that used to go to a few and I started traveling to certain events. And I think by 20, by 2017, I had done 20, about 20 Tough Mudders, including the eight hour toughest mudder. 
and the 24-hour World Toughs Mother that was held in Las Vegas. That's amazing. And, you know, I... I experience this all the time as somebody who runs Tough Mudder, and I know that you have as well, um, that you either get one of two things. You get people who know what Tough Mudder is and they love it, or you get people that are like, you are out of your freaking mind. And there's no real in between. And the fact of the matter is like the people that we run with are pretty crazy. Um, But what you said about the community is so true. And one of the things that I love about Tough Mudder is like you unknowingly impact your entire life by running Tough Mudders. The people you surround yourself with, the things you think you can or can't do, the limiting beliefs in your mind, you know, your, your um, expectations and challenges and all of that stuff. Like Tough Mudder addresses every single one of those when you're on the course. And it's just so amazing to see that bleed over into other areas of your life. Yeah. I mean, you, you literally have like a cheerleading support on, on the course. So if you're struggling, they're going to promote you to get it going and, you know, and help you if needed, but they want you to do it on your own. So it's not like they're not a crutch. We're not going to say, okay, we're just going to help you get over it. It's like, no, you can do this. We have you, but you're going to do this on your own. And that really transitioned helped me through all the, the stuff that I've been dealing with since then. Um, and, and that's where I think a lot of people who don't actually run a Tough Mudder feel it's, oh, it's all about running. It's all about, you have to be, have a six pack. And this, it's like, not, I'm far from that. Trust me. Um, you know, it's just about the people and the whole thoughts of challenging yourself and pushing yourself. And, you know, it, it's just a great feeling. Absolutely. I think, you know, uh, they say it best where it's like, when, you know, when was the last time you did something for the first time? And, you know, every time I really do something new, I think about that that saying because it's true i mean it helps you challenge yourself in ways that you might not have normally challenged so even if you don't make the whole course you do the half course whatever it may be there's no failure with tough mud you know um it's it's unless you quit that's the only time you fail if you quit so if you keep pushing just like in the business world as long as you don't quit you're going to find a way to get to the end of the race you may need help along the way but you're going to get there. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, and I love that you mentioned that, you know, the whole failure thing, like um, even in the start line, when Sean Corvell is talking about stuff, he's talking about how like, you're just trying to get one step farther than you were before. And you mentioned this when you were training, like just doing more than you did the last time that you were on that course is an accomplishment and take that and own it. And then take that with you in your next one and go further the next time. And it's just such an amazing place to be and a community to be a part of. Absolutely. So for you, um, you had this experience. Well, I don't even want to call it experience, a tragedy in 2017 that just changed. Um, the, I don't know the whole trajectory of your life, but at least a period of it. Um, what happened? So, uh, I was in Pennsylvania for a Tough Mudder event. It, we were doing the eight-hour overnight uh, Toughest Mudder. And so Saturday morning, I walked with a bunch of the group of friends, and we kind of mapped out the course because that night we had the eight-hour overnight planned. Um, so we walked that way, and then the last thing I remember is leaving Mudder Village, like where you get the food and the drinks and the shopping and that's the last thing I remember for about six, six, six weeks, excuse me. So what happened, allegedly, no. Um, <laughs> hey, now you're starting to sound like the criminal defense attorney in me. Right? 
Um, I was struck by, I was a passenger in a car that was struck on my side by another car going like 85, 86 in the 30 mile an hour zone. So I was in a coma for about a week. Again, this is all hearsay. Um, And I have about six weeks of amnesia. So I don't remember, I was in the Lancaster General Hospital because we were in Pennsylvania for the mutter. And then I was flown back to Michigan to the Rehabilitation Institute of Michigan, RIM. And the only reason, well, so part of the reason I was able to fly back the way I did was because of the Tough Mudder community. So when, when things happened, my family started a GoFundMe page because it was bad, let's face it. Um, you wouldn't know by looking at me and or listening to me, but it was bad. Um, I went, I believe the story went, it went from, we don't know if he's going to make it to he's going to make it, but he's going to need 24 hour care for the rest of his life to another few days that, all right, he won't need 24 hour care, but he'll have to live in a group home for the rest of his life to another week or so to, all right, he's ready to go home. And so what I was saying was that Tough Mudder really came together and raised a ton of money that I was able to put the money down to get me flown back to Michigan because I had to be med lifted back or med jet back to Michigan. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it was, it's pretty amazing. So I was at rehab for another month when I came back and I only remember the, the last two weeks of that. And it was a, a similar um, experience because I wasn't in a coma, but I was non-responsive. Um, I didn't have the tubes like I had in the hospital, but I just, I really wasn't reacting. I, I believe a couple times I would, I wasn't talking, but I would like blow a kiss to my mother or some sort of gesture. So they knew that I was going to be okay, but they thought, all right, he's going to be okay, but he'll probably need 24 hour care to another week. He's going to just you know, be in a group home to, okay, he's ready to go home. And so actually July 3rd of 2017 was my, that's when I went home. Well, wow. my, my mother's house for a couple months. So. Yeah. So that's, um, this is an important time for you then kind of a, a period of time where you can look back and think of how far you've come in just a few short years, um, progress that doctors initially thought you'd never make, which is amazing. Right. Yeah. And you know, I, and I've gone back to, to RIM a lot to see the people that I was there with. And then I was still seeing like a neuropsychologist there just to help with the transition and everything. And, you know, they would occasionally take me to the sixth floor, which was the, the brain injury floor. And um, I would see people. And when I was there too, I mean, I saw a lot of people that were just in so much worse shape than I was. And similar to me, no fault of their own. And I, you know, I just, I know how lucky I am. And so early on, my a cousin of mine asked me, well, how can you be so chipper about everything that's going on? I go, well, who's it going to, first of all, I shouldn't be alive, let's face it. And then secondly, who's that going to benefit? If I'm all depressed and sad, it's going to hurt my mother. It's going to hurt my sister. It's going to hurt my family. So just live the life that I have and enjoy it. You know, find things that get enjoyment from, you know, and that's, that's what I've been doing ever since really. So. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So from the, from the outside um, perspective, 
I had started running Tough Mudder in 2017. And, you know, I knew about this community. I knew how great they were on the course. But this story that you just told was one of my first experiences with Tough Mudder as this like movement of a family. Like people who didn't even know who you were. I had no idea who you were. Um, And I know that I wasn't alone in that. We're coming together to support you um, financially, sending you messages so that you could have them when you woke up, so that you knew that people were thinking and caring about you, Um, sending prayers and thoughts. and, And I got to know your family a little bit out here in Las Vegas through that process. And I just remember thinking like this community is something special. This, what's going on right here, forget the course, forget all of the stuff we do, this right here is something special. And I still get goosebumps thinking about it. Like the power of people who care about another human being that they've never met simply because of the community that you're involved in. I don't really know anywhere else that that happens. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I actually went out to Las Vegas in 2017 to Worlds and I'm trying to remember who said this to me. They said, you know, the love and support that you're getting from these people that have never met you just goes to show, you know, what type of person you are. And that really meant a lot, um, you know, to really feel that was, you know, a great feeling to have. And, and I try to live that life very similar to that as best as I can. And, you know, and try to do what I can for the people. Like I said, going to back to the, the rehab center, if I see someone, I will, I happily talk to them. and. I told my old doctor, I said, if anyone is ever struggling and needs someone to talk to, I'm more than happy, you know, to, to come by and, and talk with them. And because I, I mean, I've been there for your audience to know, I was actually diagnosed with a severe TBI, traumatic brain injury. And I'm in a few support groups, like on Facebook and things of that nature. And you, and you see a lot of other people that are, they're in a bed, they may not walk the rest of their life. They're not verbal for the rest of their life. There's, there's a lot of things that could be, but just like in business, you know, I have to take the littlest positive and turn it into something big. So when I'm talking to a customer, the littlest thing that they'll give me, I'll turn it into the, the parade. I mean, you tell me, oh, yeah, they did a good job cleaning it up. And then I would talk about, well, let's talk about that. You know, what did they do a good job at? And what did you see that your other crew wasn't doing that I need to know to keep them going with that information? And so you know, that really helps. And, and everything that I've done with Tough Mudder and even with the accident has really helped me in the business world to, you know, just you go in with a positive feeling and a positive outlook on life. And, and they, you know, it's hard for a client to look at you and, and then they get down because, you know, people feed off your energy. And if you go in there with a negative attitude, that's how your customer is going to treat you and, or, and react to you. And the next thing you know, that's sales on gone. So yeah. if you want all smiley happy, even if they're having a bad day, it won't take a whole lot to really get them to start to think a little bit and get a little bit happier. Hopefully. Yeah, that's, that's a, such a powerful statement. And the energy of positive thinking, like that's one of the things that I was going to talk about next. So I'm glad that you took the conversation there because, you know, um, medical, uh, miracles, you know, they happen and, and there's no doubt about that, but it's scientifically proven that the difference between somebody really recovering and somebody not recovering can have so much to do with their mindset. And, 
you know, had you been in a different position, you know, obviously nobody knows what really goes on when you're in that coma, whether you wake up or you don't wake up. But after you wake up, you have a choice to make on how you're going to live your life. And, you know, the fact that you look on the bright side of things and you're not thinking about everything that you've lost or everything that you could lose just pushes you so forward so much more. And this applies in everything that you do. Like if you're running a business and you're struggling and you're focusing on how much you're struggling, you're not seeing all the opportunities that are out there for you to take advantage of, to improve your business. And I just think that the positive mindset that you have is so fantastic all around in every area of your life. Yeah, and the doctors, you know, they, they express that to me. They said, you know, your positive attitude is what's going to help you recover. You know, they, again, they don't know to what extent because the brain is such a mystery. When I went in there, you know, because they knew where, I, they learned where I was coming from and what had happened. In fact, my, my PT from inpatient, when I got better, my balance started coming back and things like that actually created a small little obstacle course in our therapy room to help me because they want to get you back to somewhere where, where you were. And she's like, well, just the normal stuff, like walking on a treadmill is not what you're used to. You're used to running miles upon miles. And so we joked. And so, yeah, she created that for me and we did a, we had a little fun with that. And of course I always had my Tough Mudder shirts on when I was there. And uh, so, yeah, they, whenever they see me, they, they know that I'm a tough <laughs> Yeah, most, most people do. We're not a quiet community for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, for you, are you able to run? Like, are there any physical ailments that prevent you from running a Tough Mudder in the future? Do you want to run a Tough Mudder in the future? Or is that a part of your life that you've kind of left behind physically, if not mentally and emotionally? So I don't mind walking occasionally, like um, when we did one for uh, Francis, Francis' mother who had passed, mm-hmm. we, you know, I was able to walk that. And I've got a couple of friends that are only able to walk them, which is great. Um, so physically, I can't physically run. So the, the, the best analogy that I was given from my doctor was the brain is like a computer. Your brain is telling your body what to do. Your left side reacts as quickly as should the right side is like a hair slower doing what the computer is telling it to do so if it's like if i was running my left foot would go down nice and easy where my right foot just slam just no control so i don't have a whole lot of control over my right side so like my grip strength is very weak and dexterity is very you know not great with my right side and so so yeah so as much you know that was a big part of my life it's something that'll always be part of my life i go to canada twice a year to party with a lot of Tough Mudder guys and families. And uh, it's a great time. So they'll always be a part of my life. But the physical, actual, like, going into Tough Mudders, that's kind of, I'm going to have to, I found a new avenue to enjoy myself in my life. But it'll be, always be a part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Tough Mudder is not something that you ever get rid of, um, no matter when you stop running it. Like, it's, it is People who don't run it, are it's hard for them to understand, but it is the single most impactful thing that I've ever done just because of all of the lessons that I learned from it. And World's Toughest Mudder is something that like you have to experience to understand it. There's nothing that anybody can say to you about a 24-hour right. obstacle course race that will make people understand it. It's, it's something you have to experience if you want to understand it. 
not, and I'll, I'll say this, you know, I mean, over the years, Tough Myers taught me not to quit. The last, like, seven miles of Worlds in 2016, I actually did with a fractured ankle. Oh, my gosh. And I, I felt the pain, but it's like, all right, well, I'm not crying, so it can't be that bad. It hurt, obviously. Um, so I, I just walked the last seven miles and got through. And so, yeah, it wasn't until, like, two weeks later where I got the x-rays that he was you're on a fractured ankle. So <laughs> yeah. if, like anything in life, if, if it's not so bad to where you can't quit, then don't. And that's what Tough Mudder and that's my years of enterprise. That's where everything has led me in business to where I'm at today is unless you have to quit for some reason, like you have to, not because you want to, because you have to, that's different. Other than that, you just got to keep going, find a different way to focus. I mean, when I was in pharmaceutical sales, you know, there's so many different personalities out there. So I may have a doctor who's a real A-type and wants to be in control, in control of the conversation and, and lead it this way. Then I may have another physician who wants you to kind of dictate how things go. And so over the years with everything I've done has really taught me how to handle all those situations on different avenues. And again, it goes all the way back to enterprise. I mean, because when I was with enterprise, even though I wasn't a manager at that point yet, I was still having to figure out how do I address this customer that's right in front of me? Are they yelling at me yet? Or okay, how, if not, how can I keep them from doing so? So you learn little nuances how to continue along that road that's not going to upset your customer or your client and, and get the job done on both sides. So both sides are happy because it's not a, it's not opportune if only the customer's happy. You have to be happy as well, you know, in a different aspect, but at the same time, you both have to come away, like feeling like you got what you were going after. Yeah. That win-win is, is a, a gold mine in business. Like if you don't feel like you got that win-win, it wasn't the right fit um, because it shows up in the way that you then interact with that customer down the road or interact with other customers in a similar situation. Um, if you feel like you didn't get that win, um, for yourself, then it comes off differently for customers. So it's just so important that you're taking care of yourself and taking care of your customers. I love that you mentioned that. For me, my um, last part of World's Toughest Mutter was taking help from people, you know, like what, who you can and can't take help from. So in 2017, when I ran it, the very last part, they had the cliff shut off and we were doing the bypass through mm -hmm. the lake. And, um, at this point, you know, you've been going for 23 and a half hours and I hit that water and I just like relaxed and my camelback was serving as a flotation device mm -hmm. and medical was like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. And for those of you listening out there, um, if medical touches you on the course, then you're disqualified and take help from anybody else, but not medical. And so he was like, you know, are you okay? And I was like, I just ran for 23 and a half hours. Like if I start bobbing, you better make sure I'm not coming back up before you help me. Hey. Like yeah. <laughs> this is, I'm not getting disqualified, you know, half a mile from the finish line. Like, sure. unless you're sure I'm not coming back up, like I'm fine right now. And that perseverance of like, pushing through that and knowing that there's somebody right there that could take you out of your pain and you know, you'd, you'd be good. You could go be warm and, and happy and yet you would feel like you shorted yourself. It's just such right. an amazing lesson. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. 
So as far as I want to, I want to switch gears just a little bit and, and bring this into kind of a a success element. And, and for you, I think this is a really interesting conversation to have because you have had this life altering situation where, you know, these things that you loved, you can't do anymore. And you're trying to figure out what your life looks like without those and, and how to be positive with, with what you can accomplish. So for you, what does success mean now in the business world and the personal world, just in your life in general, what does success mean now? And how has that changed for you throughout your life? So at least over the last few years, obviously success has changed. You know, the goal is a lot I think it's a lot easier to accomplish because for me, it's not like, okay, I got to close this deal. If I don't, you know, because right now, everything that I do, I'm doing with a traumatic brain injury. And that's something that's really helped me. Um, So every time that I run into a situation where maybe I'm not doing well, I kind of think like, all right, well, how would someone without this injury be doing this? And will they do it any better than you? And a lot of times I don't feel that they would. And that really helps me kind of refocus and readjust on what my goals are to get to those goals because, you know, it's, it's different for me now. Um, and so that's really helped me kind of focus in and, and get to where I want to go. Yeah, that's, that's a really powerful question of, you know, how would somebody putting yourself in, like, I guess, making sure that you're not playing a victim at all in your mind and, and putting yourself in the situation of what would somebody else do in this situation is really powerful for anybody else to take, whether you have a traumatic brain injury or not, like put yourself in the shoes of somebody else. How would they do it? Would they do anything different? That's really powerful. Um, you seem like, I did, obviously I didn't know you before, but you seem like you've always been a really positive guy. You've always been a really positive dude. And I'm interested to know whether this has changed your perspective of what's important in life or whether that was kind of always something that you understood. So I feel for me, I was never about chasing whatever it may be, you know, chasing the money or chasing the success or chasing the glory. That never mattered to me. I was always just wanting to be, I was okay being content as long as I challenged myself. Um, again, even before Tough Mudder, it was as long as I'm not quitting on myself, I'm okay with that. So I've been very lucky that I always had that self-motivation to keep going and that's really helped me with my recovery. Um, so I'm, I'm lucky in the aspect, so that hasn't changed. Um, you know, I, I still want to, to succeed, but I'm going to do it with what I have, you know, with me. And I'm not going to be disappointed if I'm not able to do something because for whatever reason, it didn't work out. I just always have that goal. I'm just going to do, be the best me, best I can do. I'm not going to quit because that's all I can do. I can't be Ryan Reynolds or someone else, you know, just, I can't be anyone else but me. So I'm going to be me. I'm going to be me with an injury. And I'm still going to move forward. I'm happy with that because I'm not quitting because of injury, because of any reason else. Man, I just, I know I've said it a couple of times, but your mindset is just incredible to me. I, I love your positivity and your mindset. And everybody listening to this episode, like I, I hope that you take just a little bit of that from this because, you know, we see people, you mentioned something when you were talking about when you go back to visit your rehabilitative center 
and where you see people that were so much worse off than you. And there are so many times that we allow ourselves to think we're not capable of doing something. I can't do this. I can't do that. And then we see somebody that has no business doing something out there accomplishing it. And it takes away all of our excuses. And, you know, you're one of those people, like you you have every excuse to be pissed at the world. You have every excuse to be upset that, you know, you got dealt a shitty situation and you just, you amaze me, man. I, I, I just, I love it. So I, I got to go back. It just reminded me of a story. So back in 2000, I was like 20 year old in college. And at that point you really only care about drinking and girls and having a good time. So I actually, I joined a fraternity, um, and during the fraternity, one of our big philanthropies was called Gear Up Florida. And what that is, it's a chance to raise money and awareness for people with disabilities. Now, we, they had two, they had two. They had Gear Up Florida and they had Journey of Hope. Journey of Hope goes from California to Washington, D.C. They run two routes, a north and a south route, stopping like every day to a group home or a facility, somewhere where there's people with disabilities, just spend time with them. Maybe it's lunch, maybe it's dinner, hanging out for the night. So what I did, so in Florida, we went from Miami to Tallahassee, and it was a quick one. That one was only two weeks, but every day we were stopping in a group home or facility, spending time, and that's really where my, you know, my attitude, because you're 20, you start to really think how things are. That's when my attitude really changed. It's like, how can I get mad at a waiter for my order coming out wrong? When I'm seeing, again, people with cards that are dealt, they have no control of that. They didn't make themselves the way they are, you know, but they were so happy, just smiling, playing. I remember stories where one gentleman, sometimes they were teenagers, sometimes they were adults. You know, we were 20. We were just kids, basically. Um, and they said, oh, I've been working all week and get to take my girlfriend to the movies. And we're like, oh, how are you going there? Oh, our, our mom drives us. We get to, I get to sit in the back seat and we get to hold our hand. And I just, I mean, the smile that I had on my face during Garrett, Florida, it was, it, was, it was amazing. And so I came back with that. And so at 20, that's where I really just learned, like how can you ever be upset about such little things in life when there are so many worse situations and, and that's really helped drive me to become the person I am now. Even when I was dealt with, obviously, the accident, luckily I had the attitude about where, all right, had a shitty hand dealt, let's keep going. Let's play the board the way it is um, and, and go from there. So that, that really helped me. Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think it's super important to understand that a positive attitude doesn't just show up when you need it. Like it's something that you work towards. And have you had you not been the type of person that tried to find a positive and that you know was able to see what it was important in life when you needed it during that accident, you wouldn't have been able to have it because that's when you instinctively go back to what you do in your everyday life. And so for people that are out there, like it's so important that you practice that positivity now and, and um, really gear down on what's important to you and get that mental toughness under control because when you need it, it's going to be too late. 
Right. No, and we I'm, all need it at some point, like whether you have a traumatic brain injury or not, whether you have an accident or not, like every time in your life, there is a point where you want to quit at something and, you know, or, or you're dealt a bad hand at something in your life and you've got to figure out how to get through that. And so it just, it's, it's such a powerful lesson, such a powerful lesson, especially in today's society. <laughs> 100%. Like nobody expected what's going on right now. And the, the people who are able to pivot and adjust their businesses and adjust their expectations are going to be the ones that come out of this, you know, on top. So um, we've talked so much about Tough Mudder stuff. We've talked so much about failure and comfort zones and, and all of this amazing lessons that, that you've learned through your story. If, if we talked a ton about positivity, if there's kind of one lesson or one message that you wish you could get out to the world, what would that be? And, and kind of similar to what you were saying, you know, it is, it's keep that positive attitude because even if something is, is, I don't want to say, I mean, shitty at the moment, if it's bad, it's bad, you know, okay. But I love that. I always say like, but did you die? You know, like from hangover, you know, yep. um, you know, there's, even now I have friends that are dealing with some stuff. It's like, bro, you have a fiance, you get, you have, your job is still going, you know, yeah, you're working long hours, but it's like, it's, there's so many people that are so much worse off than you are. You just got to start taking that in and breathe and relax. So that's what I want people to take from this is that it can always be so much worse. You know, don't let it. So, you know, keep working to make it better. Don't, don't just let it keep getting worse because it's bad right now. Yeah, we're going to have moments where it's really bad at the moment, but if you fall into that, it's like quicksand, or you can just climb on that tree and get away from that, and that's what I want people to do, is that if you start losing the account, don't think about, okay, that's the lost account. Think about, how do I save it? How do I move forward and continue to, maybe I'll get that account back in six months. You know, there's always ways. Nothing is over until it's over, and that's one thing that I've I've had with me for a lot of years, especially since the accident. But at the same time, it's like, guys, look around you. It's, the sun is out. Keep moving forward. That's what you got to do. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So before we wrap up, I would love to do a quick random round and let everybody get to know you a little bit. Are you okay with that? Sure. Perfect. What profession other than what you're doing now do you think would be fun to attempt? Poker player. Poker player. All right. Got a little bit of that Vegas left in you, huh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, as far as, um, let's go time travel. If you could time travel anywhere, where would you go and why? Ooh, that's going. Um, I would go like Paris in the 1800s before the cars were all flying around and, you know, it's just a beautiful and it would be very interesting to see. I've never been to Paris, but I, I, I can only imagine how beautiful it would be. That's awesome. Um, what do you think your superpower is or your best skill or quality that's been most helpful to you throughout your life? I guess I can joke and say I can't die. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think my superpower has really been my attitude. I don't know if that's something you can make a comic book movie out of, but it really is, you know. I think my attitude has always kept me going and kept hopefully the people around me showing like, Hey, if I can do it with the things that I'm going through, you can go through it. You can get through it with not as worse, you know? And that's, that's where I like 
being able to give people. Love it. Love it. Um, books. I'm a big reader. Um, do you like to, how do you consume content? Do you like to read books, listen to books, listen to podcasts? Um, what's your method of preference? Most, mostly podcasts. I'm not a big reader. I'll be honest. I don't think I've read anything since Catch from the Rye. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot of years. Um, so yeah, so typically like podcasts, um, audiobooks, I might start getting into a little bit more because I don't have to use my imagination as much as I would with reading. Um, plus I don't know if I have that ability to sit there for a while and really concentrate and focus. So audiobook would be great, but a lot of times I'm doing podcasts. So what's your favorite podcast that you think super, um, valuable to somebody who might want to listen to it? Well, the ones that I listen to are, are typically poker podcasts, to be honest okay. with you. Perfect. So, so it might not benefit a lot of like, your listeners and unless they're trying to be a professional poker player. Poker podcast. Sounds good to me. Um, I'm a huge music nerd, so I always have to ask people, what's your pump-up song? What's that song that when you hear it, you just can't stay in a bad mood? Really, it's it's anything country. I'm just a big country fan. I don't know how I, I – in college, I happened to go – it was like the middle of nowhere, so the radio stations were typically country, and I just – I don't know. I, there's just about anything on country I like that pumps me up. I just turn the station on before I'm going to work or – on my way home, something along that lines. I love it. Um, and lastly, if anybody wants to connect with you, follow up on anything that we've talked about or just um, make a connection with you and say what's up, what's the best way for them to contact you? So I am on Instagram. It's IJPanter, P-A-N-T-E-R on Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show with me. I really appreciate it. Again, I love your story. I love your positivity. I just, I think your message is so important and I'm super excited to be able to help share that out with your, with my listeners. Thank you. I greatly appreciate the invite and I look forward to, uh, to seeing you in the future when I head out to Vegas. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.